God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And uh, we're going to start off uh, talking about Ukraine, but we're also going to talk about uh, today the uh, Pfizer uh, side effects. That seems to be something that there's a 400-page document that came out, and this 400-page document was uh, pretty damning for Pfizer. And uh, it turns out they have 1,291 side effects. And the effectiveness for children is 12%. Yet they're mandating that you vaccinate your child. You know, that's just, uh, I just don't get it. You know, what? what's the, uh, well, I do get it. But I mean, it just underscores why it is that they want that push. They want you to get vaccinated. They're going to use the vaccination passport as a gateway to the social credit score system. And that social credit score system is going to allow them to control your speech, control your social media, control your behavior. I don't know why people don't get this. I don't know why people aren't talking about it. In part because maybe the Ukraine conflict is a distraction to this conflict. With the price of oil going up to $130 a barrel, it just makes you wonder, right, why it is that we're not reopening our Keystone Pipeline? Why is it, why is it that Biden is begging on his hands and knees Venezuela Maduro and the Iranians for oil, the two biggest thug countries in the world, the rogue states that violate human rights on their people daily. Biden is, is on his hands and knees begging for energy sources alternative to Russia. And Russia, we were getting, uh, we're consuming about 670,000 barrels 
of Russian oil at a cost of about $130 a barrel now, which is going to send gas prices up above $6 a barrel, $6 a gallon at the gas pump. So it underscores what I've been saying all along, that every time a globalist creates a war or causes destruction, it either takes away your votes with refugees and and illegal migrants, or it takes away your job by introducing slave labor at the bottom end of the market, displacing our bottom end market so that they have to actually compete for jobs a little up the ladder because they can't work as cheaply as the illegal migrant. And the corporations are the ones that profit from all this, which explains why it is that the corporations themselves support the Democrat Party with their donations and their profits that they get from the slave labor and the open borders and the multinational trade deals that are favoring them over Main Street. 670,000 barrels of oil we receive from Russia. We buy from Russia at a cost of $130 a barrel. And we do that, I think it was daily, the, the figure. And that's just one part of it. Do you know that the Keystone Pipeline was 830,000 barrels of oil that we would produce daily? So we would already have what we need. We wouldn't we would be able to starve and suffocate and live to fight another day, uh, but instead we're crushing the middle class. You know, it doesn't have to be a constant pillow over the face of Russia. We don't have to put a pillow over Putin's head for the rest of our lives. We just have to put a pillow over his head during this escalated aggression to gain leverage over a very aggressive Putin in Ukraine. And that being said, who's who's the good guys and who are the bad guys in all this? Who are the good guys and who are the bad? Who are the black hats and who are the white hats? People love to use those terms. White hat, he's a, he's a white hat. He's a black hat. It sounds so simple, but it's not. It's a lot more complicated than that. White hat, is he a white hat or a black hat? Who is he? What side should I be on? And of course, that's, a, that's just such an elementary way to look at it. And what we need to do is really kind of take a look at this uh, situation. And one of the things we're going to do today as well is we are going to we are going to take a look at um, something I was listening to over the weekend on Maria Bartiroma, and uh, it was kind of interesting. Uh, what it was was. Uh, Nikki Haley giving a play-by-play of what her take is on the whole conflict. And, you know, most people know I have, like, zero affection and admiration for Nikki Haley. Don't like her. Never did. Never did like Nikki Haley. But what I did, what I do see is I see this talk, this rhetoric always talking about the things we don't want to talk about, or always talking about the things that are true, but 
not really getting to the point. And that's the, that's the problem. Is with Nikki Haley, she wants to talk about all the obvious things that, that are going on between Russia and Ukraine, the obvious things that are right in front of you, the things they want you to see. But what they're not talking about is they're not talking about what led to this point and who the guilty parties are. But when I hear Russia talking about getting mercenaries out of Syria to help with their com- their, their aggression in Ukraine, it just drives home the, everything I've been saying for the last several years, which is that, you know, it's always been about mercenaries and terrorists getting paid off by politicians to protect oil pipelines that are unsanctioned. Um, everybody knows that Ukraine is a money laundering slush fund for politicians to fleece. I've been writing since January 23rd, I wrote this, about the fleecing of Ukraine leading to the crisis that we're in now. For example, let me give you an example. If, you know, when we talk about this a lot, but remember when Obama was giving blankets and pillows and every and the people on the right were saying what they need are javelin missiles to tank busting anti-defense or defense missiles javelin defense missiles against t- tanks they're tank busters javelin missiles what they don't tell you is that the javelin missile could be put into a into a propel uh, a, a, a rocket launcher they could both be offensive and defensive so Putin doesn't like that either, right? He doesn't like that. But that's okay. We don't really care what Putin likes and doesn't like. Quite frankly, I think Putin is slipping. But what they don't tell you is, say we sell you blankets and pillows, and then say Ukraine sells those blankets and pillows to Mike Lindell, and Mike Lindell sells them to you. <laughs> Incidentally, if you're going to go to MyPillow.com, use Red State as your promo code, and that would help Red State uh, with our advertisers. And so we really appreciate it because, you know, what we're doing is we're putting a whole array of talent out there, live programming, and it doesn't come cheap. So, you know, to help Red State is to actually perpetuate and to prolong, you know, make it possible for us to do the work that we're doing. Getting you the truth, but let's let's take it a little bit more. Let's flip it. Obama sold blankets and pillows, which left then a whole bunch of needs for Ukraine. So Ukraine would buy, uh, say, Ukraine would buy those uh, javelin missiles, or say say they wanted those javelin missiles, but say. The only thing that Lindsey Graham and John McCain could come up with and Amy Klobuchar were rifle, rifles and uh, rocket-propelled grenades and rocket launchers and stuff like that, but not javelin missiles. But uh, the tank-busting javelin missiles could be gotten through Poland or somewhere else. So what happens is they forge out a deal and they get these weapons, and they sell them. They sell like a billion dollars worth of weapons to Ukraine. Then Ukraine takes those weapons and sells those to ISIS, 
And then ISIS uses those weapons to secure a pipeline through Turkey that's benefiting Europe. Right? And Lindsey Graham never wanted to pull out of Syria. He never wanted to pull out of the region. He was upset when Jamal Khashoggi died and um, and so on and so forth. And so it's just one of those things where we sell Ukraine guns, guns in the, whoops, there we go. Sorry about that. A lot of little distractions technically today for some reason. I don't know why, but um, in any case, so we're selling Ukraine a whole bunch of different weapons. They take those different weapons and they sell them to ISIS. And ISIS has a role because ISIS is working with mercenaries and, and other forces to protect oil wells and oil pipelines running up through Turkey and into Europe from, say, Iraq and from other places, maybe even Iran. And somehow this is all making politicians rich because the four currencies on the black market are oil, you know, and it's all illegal stuff. Like if it's weapons, it could be bioweapons. It could be chemical weapons. It, if, it's, if it's drugs, it could be fentanyl and it could be heroin, right? And if it's oil, it could be unsanctioned and, un, uh, and oil wells that, that are kind of in limbo, not belonging to any one country. Or a country that's fallen, like Iraq was. And so there's Lindsey Graham and there's John McCain photographed with al-Baghdadi and ISIS. And people are scratching their heads wondering, what what is is, uh, Lindsey Graham and John McCain doing over in the Middle East? Working with Syria forces and working with, what, what are they doing? I mean, one guy represents Arizona. The other guy represents, um, I have no idea what's going on with my phone. Um, In any case, uh, it's just one of those things where no one understands what they're doing over there, but they're just hashing deals left and right. And that's what's going on. So they, they sell Ukraine a bunch of weapons. Ukraine sells them to ISIS. And guess what? Ukraine gets money. And they take that money and they buy Javelin missiles from, say, Poland. And at the end of the day, what ends up happening is Russia and Putin say, you know what? I know that the United States isn't guilty of the crime, so we can't get them We can't be mad at them because they didn't sell them javelin missiles or things that we oppose, things that we signed a treaty on, uh, a deal. We signed a deal that said they couldn't sell them those. They couldn't get into NATO. They couldn't be a a European part of the European Union. All these things that were understood are now being thrown out the window. We now know that Ukraine is a globalist nation. They're interested in the new world order. They want to be part of NATO. They want to annex from Russia. And that's all well and good. They're entitled to do whatever they want to do. But when you then spit in the Russian bear's eye, don't expect, you know, don't don't expect that they're not going to do anything in return 
in retaliation. So we don't really know exactly, but you know how much of this is preemptive on Putin's part or uh, overt aggression, unwarranted, unsolicited. You know, because obviously Ukraine has done something to to piss off uh, Russia, right? But again, that is how laundering is done on the black market. We sell them this, and they sell uh, ISIS this. In return, they get cash and they buy that, right? This and that. And this could be, is an object, that's an object. It could be anything. It could be anything. But that's how laundering is done. Just like, you know, people on food stamps. Food stamps will make a big, great claim and they'll say, oh, well, you know, we only allow you to buy vegetables, uh, fruits and vegetables. And here's your money and you could buy fruits and vegetables. You can't go to the liquor store and you can't buy any alcohol. But here's your money, your EBT card, and you could buy fruits and vegetables. And that's it. But now the money that I have left over in my pocket that I didn't use for fruits and vegetables, I can now go to the liquor store and buy liquor. So no matter what, the EBT money allowed me to still fulfill my, enable my alcoholism, if that were a scenario. And that, too, is laundering. That's, la- that's a kind of like a slush fund and laundering. Fauci's been involved with this for years. Aid to Africa wound up in Ukraine through Maria Yovanovitch. And that's another one. That was well-documented during the impeachment when people were looking up Maria Yovanovitch and our ambassador to Ukraine and Bill Taylor, and George Kent, the guy with the bow tie, and all these these diplomats, so-called diplomats, and, and Alexander Vindman, and all these other people, the whistleblower and Eric C. Armella, part of the CIA working with the National Security Council, Sean Misko, all these different people. Uh, Sean Misko was hired by none other than uh, Adam Schiff. And Sean Misko and Eric Ciaramella were lovers. <laughs> you can't make it up. And Eric Ciaramella, the so-called whistleblower, a dirtbag, is good friends with <clears throat> um, Biden's chief advisor, Mike Carpenter. And their attorney is Mark Zaid, who still has an active tweet you can look it up on Twitter where Mark Zaid on January 30th, 2017, 10 days after President Trump's inauguration said, a coup has started, series of many steps. It came on the same day that uh, Trump fired Yates, uh, the uh, person who was uh, high-ranking in the just, Justice, uh, was it Justice or State Department? I think it was Justice. Department of Justice, and she was called upon to actually halt the foreign foreigners that were coming through our, you know, to put a stop to the illegal migrants that were coming through, and she objected to it because they're using these people for slave labor, they're using these people people for sex trafficking, and by the way, the four currencies are human trafficking, oil, uh, unsanctioned oil, drugs, 
fentanyl and heroin and uh, weapons. It could be bioweapons. It could be chemical weapons, right? But it also human trafficking. And that's where Epstein comes in. Jeffrey Epstein, remember him? And his one of his recruiters, a uh, French guy, was also found dead. And guess what? This was about a month ago. The guy wounds up dead in a cell in, in France. Guess what? The video wasn't working. Yeah, that was last month. And Ghislaine Maxwell has a lot of dirt, of course. They're connected with the royal family. And not just the royal family, but they're connected with Mossad as well. It's a dirty racket. This is a dirty business that we're in. This globalism is really dirty. And the reason why Hollywood loves them so much, they want their drugs and they want their sex. And they throw these big parties on the cheap out in California. You know, these people in Hollywood. You ever watch a movie called True Romance? You know, Tarantino actually tells a lot of truths in his films. I like to call it black humor. And by black humor, I just mean dark humor, not not skin color humor. But in any case, I remember the movie True Romance, where this big Hollywood executive, you know, was buying this big, huge amount of cocaine to throw parties with. And they was one on the cheap, and they put it out in trays, ashtrays all over the house, coke everywhere, whatever. And that's not, you know, that that is actually quite common. I've seen enough interviews to know that there's truth to that. And underage girls like Polanski was involved with, Roman Polanski, gets a standing ovation. You know, Hollywood is ingrained, embedded in this. And, you know, their endorsement, their social media prowess, you know, like when Taylor Swift decides to get into politics or the Dixie Chicks or whoever else. And, you know, it was... um, it was uh, John Rich that basically said, you know what, shame on a lot of the people that I used to look up to, people in the business, in the country music business that people fall in love with, have fired people over COVID and won't hire them back. And now we're finding out that Pfizer has been lying to us all along. This is a globalist movement, and it's all about control, and it's all about getting this perpetuation down the you know down the road and finding ourselves into a situation where we're crushed i've said it all along that every time the globalists make a decision it impacts negatively on the middle class what are the odds that 100% of their actions like not 99% but 100% of their actions involve crushing the middle class in exchange for you know these these uh foreigners from different countries these poor uh that the elite want to control because the elite can control the poor but they can't control the middle class and i've always said you if you have a strong working vibrant middle class that represents 65% of your population You'll never have socialism because these people think independently, vote independently. You can't control them. Guy wants to drive a gasoline truck, he'll drive a car. By gosh, he'll drive a gasoline truck. 
If he wants to paint his picket fence white, a white picket fence, instead of being mandated that he has to paint it red or green, he could do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to be told that a little puddle in the backyard makes his backyard swampland and the government can seize it. You know, I mean, it's this kind of BS that we need to get get across. Let's take a listen to this Nikki Haley clip. And uh, I'm going to break a couple of things down. So let's take a listen. Um, because what she talks about is the obvious, but she doesn't talk about the root causes of these problems. And she was a UN ambassador. And uh, she doesn't get into the idea that, you know what, the reason why the conflict exists and we're on the precipice of World War III is because the globalists screwed it up. And now oil prices are crushing the middle class at a rate of $130 a barrel. Thank you very much. These refugees coming from Syria and Afghanistan are impacting our votes, stealing our jobs, and costing us an enormous amount in tax hikes. Our tax dollars are going outside of the country instead of into our infrastructure. It, I can go on and on with this, but let's just take a listen. Being with us this morning. Thank you, Maria. Great to be with you. I want to get to the Iran situation in a moment, but first, you just heard my interview with Petro Poroshenko. He said that Vladimir Putin is a war criminal. Is he committing war crimes? Well, I met with President Poroshenko, and I'll tell you, he is absolutely a war criminal. He is an evil tyrant, and we should never trust Russia. I have said that from my very first day. You cannot trust Russia. You cannot trust Putin. And, you know, at this point, he has shown and proven that that he does not value human life, and he's going to do whatever he has to to make sure that he creates the Soviet empire, and we should be ready. We should have been ready before this. He had said it prior. We should have believed him. And, you know, we should have already started sanctioning their energy companies. We should have cut them off from the international banking system. We should have sent, you know, Ukraine all the missiles and and capabilities that they needed. We were supposed to last March when Russia started putting ground troops on the ground. Biden stopped from sending the missiles to Ukraine that we were supposed to send because he didn't want to upset Russia. We should have sent that. They would have been better armed. They would have been better ready. We need got a lot of time to make up for. We need to start doing these things very quickly. Yeah, well, you know, here's the thing. When she talks about Poroshenko, when she talks about Poroshenko, she's not talking about the Poroshenko that was making black market deals with, with uh, Biden. She's not talking about the Poroshenko that... Uh, fired Victor Shokin, who was looking into Burisma, who had Hunter Biden on the board of Burisma getting $83,000 a month. She's not talking about the Poroshenko that's as corrupt as possible. Even Zelensky has friends in the oligarch business. And by that, I'm just being flippant, but the oligarchs are businessmen. They're billionaires, like Deripaska in Russia. But there's oligarchs in Ukraine too, former Russia, and Zelensky is, you know, is tied to them at the hip. It's it's a corrupt state. It's a lost cause. They should have remained neutral, like a Sweden or a Finland, and stay out of trouble. 
because they're not tough enough. They're not independent enough. They're not sovereign enough to be a, a leading country in any way. They have a small economy. They're almost akin to a third world developing nation. But here we are, you know, with the way they live. But here's here's a, um, Nikki Haley, uh, basically uh, not talking about her own track record, where she was a UN ambassador, and could have made a lot of these things that she's talking about. She didn't do it either. She's talking out of both sides of her mouth. Ambassador, what needs to be done now? The embassy in Kiev tweeted that attacking a nuclear plant is a war crime. We are watching images of explosions and street fighting in cities across Ukraine. And I know that the Congress right now is taking up uh, action this upcoming week about cutting off Russia's oil now. Uh, but what should the administration and allies be doing for Ukraine today? Stop reacting and start leading. First of all, work with Ukraine on real-time intelligence so that they we can tell them everything that's happening that they can't see. Make sure that we send anti-tank, anti-air missiles immediately. Make sure that we are telling Poland and NATO that they've got to supply these planes to Ukraine. They need them right away so they can cover their own airspace. We've got to make sure we sanction these energy companies, all of them. We've got to make sure that we pull them out of the international banking system. And we need to stop taking um, any Russian oil. The idea that we would give our money to an enemy is unthinkable, and it's absolute lunacy. We can't allow this to continue. Well, on Wednesday, President Biden said that it was too early to say whether Russia had committed war crimes in Ukraine. He said that on Wednesday, Ambassador. Uh, your reaction to that and also the U.N. Security Council will meet tomorrow to address the humanitarian crisis. What can they do? Well, I mean, there's there's people dying in the streets. I mean, you've got, you know, Russia saying they need a ceasefire only so that they could get their troops ready again and then turn around and, and deny humanitarian aid in. So, I mean, I don't know what more Biden needs to see to know this is a thug. Right. And I think at this point they need to move forward in terms of the Security Council meeting. I mean, the most you can do is humiliate Russia. They're going to turn around and, and veto anything that happens. So, you know, I don't put a lot of weight on the Security Council at this point or anything that they could do. What I put weight on is the U.S. leading. This all happened because of us. This happened from the way Biden left Afghanistan after in the middle of the night from Bagram Air Force Base when we were standing shoulder to shoulder with our allies for two decades and he didn't tell them. This happened when Biden waved Nord Stream 2, which President Trump fought the entire time. This happened by falling all over himself to get in the Iran deal. None of this had to happen. Now we need strength and deterrence and we're not getting it. Well, see, she talks about those things, and all those things are true, and you, you're listening to that, and you're kind of nodding your head, and you're like, yep, uh, yep, yep, Afghanistan, yep, Nord Stream 2, yep. But what she should be talking about, and what she's not talking about, is she should be talking about how Ukraine has been a slush fund and a money laundering country, how they've been working with the U.S. in bioweapons, and chemical weapons. And, you know, the other part is now you got Putin bringing mercenaries up from Syria. Why Syria? Of course, because, you know, they're entrenched in Syria with their large naval base, Targus. 
But in addition to that, um, that's how things are done on the black market. Mercenaries uh, were in Kiev in 2014. But the idea is that, you know, that they don't want to talk about the Western politicians who are taking bribes illegally for votes that were impacting this matrix, this whole dynamic. And, you know, Putin himself, though, is slipping because he's falling into traps because it's Ukraine that's setting up these traps. Like, for example, the the nuclear power plant, right? So what Russia wants to do is control this, the board, the, uh, the shipping ports, shipping lanes on the Black Sea. But they also want to take over the power and energy. And Elon Musk said, well, there's a lot of you, you mothballed nuclear power plants throughout Europe. They could turn those back on. There's Keystone Pipeline. We could turn that back on. There are so many solutions to this problem. It doesn't have to be a problem. And that's just it. You know, but uh, we're going to go ahead and take a caller. Caller, you're on the air. Hi, um, I'm calling about the discussion about Ukraine. Yes. And I I wanted to say I was really kind of surprised to hear that speaker uh, who you had on your recording say the U.S. should have stopped Russia long ago and that we should have supported Ukraine long ago. And I really have to say, I mean, the person who didn't stop Russia was Donald Trump. Yeah, he spent you called four in, years you, in office. Okay, but listen, you, you're that lady from West Virginia, right? What's your name? Yeah, 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 Mary Lou. <laughs> Mary Lou, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I called before, and I, I just find this also so intriguing to hear people say that they think that we should have stopped Russia long ago when it was Donald Trump for four years. Yeah, let me ask you something, though. When yeah. was the last time Putin decided to go into uh Another country. Well, he's decided to do that many times. He went into he Chechnya. Did it, he did it. In the, <laughs> he, he went into Afghanistan. Okay, no, no, he did it. I mean, the, he man, did the it with, man is. He a, did it with the man Georgia. Wants to restore the listen, Soviet Union. Listen, he, he wants did, to expand. Actually, he wants to expand okay, the Russian Empire. <laughs> but let's not filibuster. So here's the thing. Yeah. He did it. Um, he did it with Georgia under Bush. He did it with Crimea under Obama. And he's doing it with Ukraine now under Biden. And it's because it's the neocons and the liberals like yourself that actually uh, have enabled this corruption in Ukraine to fester and to be uh, like a thorn in Russia's side. But under Trump, Trump, Trump actually didn't need an alliance, although he made NATO rich. He didn't need that to use that alliance because Russia never tested Trump because they were afraid to test Trump. So, we, the, you, so we got really we got we literally got peace through strength with with Trump. Yeah. We did. I, I I really have I have to disagree with that entire. Well, how could you? It's um, a fact. Line I mean, of thought. Yeah, but, but Donald Trump spent four years making up to Putin. He weakened our our democracy. He um, so? you know, supported you, you an autocrat. You can't just make the statement he without backing it up. Putin was somebody that, you know, 
he really admired Putin. No, that's not true. Uh, he put down the United that's States. That's not true. Oh, he said, uh, no, what Trump he said. said that many, no, many times. He thought what Trump Putin, said is, Putin, why really, wouldn't really we want to get along with these tyrants? Why wouldn't we want to get along with Kim Jong-un? Why wouldn't we want to get along with President Xi? Why wouldn't we want to get along with Vladimir Putin? Why wouldn't we? Why, calling him a thug and calling him is nonsensical. There's nothing good about calling somebody an insult. Right. Well, You're, Donald Trump does that all the time. No, he the liberals everybody. actually call Trump he supporters Nazis. Everybody. Donald and, Trump calls calls everybody names. Antifa I mean, calls Trump supporters fascists when names. it's Antifa that's censoring speech. How do you support the left wing party? Do you know? Let's talk about Antifa a minute. Do you remember what Antifa really stands for? It's anti-fascism. Yeah. Anti-fascism. So that's what those people are trying to prevent. No, that's it's not true. Fascism. That's what we're. That's what that's they what call themselves, but that's not what they stand for. Fascism. Of course they do. That's exactly what they stand for. That's why they call themselves anti-fascism. No, that's what they're calling themselves, and, and that's why. That's why that they're where they're against uh, uh, Putin, and why for four years Donald Trump was for Putin. What? He made okay. up to Putin. Okay. When you think about... Ma'am, I, ma'am, I ma'am, 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 I yes. can't let... Go I'm going to cut you Please. off. Go ahead. Listen, the idea yeah. is this. Define fascism for me. Fascism is, fascism is what we see no, no, no. in Russia. What's the, what's, the quick, what's the quick definition of fascism? Well, what's your definition? Central authority. Centralized authority. That's look it up. Centralized authority. Yeah, it's top-down yeah, government. Very, very. That's very, very vague. That could mean anything. Okay, but what it is is authority. what the, Trump is I mean, the so first. The, uh, each, okay. each state has some centralized authority. We've got a we've got a legislature. <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? Well, so it turns out that uh, it turns out that uh, you know, well, we can, we're not even going to talk about anti Antifa today, but. Here's okay, the thing. <laughs> Trump Trump was all about federalism, power to the states, decentralized power. And that's the opposite of fascism. Just want you to know that. We have we have a democracy and we have a constitution and the constitution set up a federal government. So I'm not really sure I even understand what you're saying because what you're saying sounds What I'm saying is that anti, there's nothing fascist about Antifa and, and, and who wants basically a country. socialized government. A socialized well, government is, is fascism. Socialism and fascism are the same thing? Pretty much, because if you have a top-down uh, government that controls... How about what Trudeau did? Okay, he's a socialist, right? And he wanted to freeze the bank accounts of the truckers who were basically honking their horns. I don't know if Trudeau would even call himself a socialist. And, and, you know, no, he did. It's on record. Nobody even understands. It, nobody he even did, understands and it's on record. What socialism really is anymore? There are four or five. He or called six himself a socialist. Of socialism. There are so many different definitions of socialism. We don't even know what it means anymore. Yeah, but he called him. He calls himself a socialist. He's self-proclaimed as a socialist. Uh, but, but what, what does that even mean? I okay. mean, you know, there's socialism where there's, what it, where there's what the it means. All, what it means like, like is that the Russia, government has the, more authority of the means of over more people. Right? Where you own all of the companies, where you yeah. own all of the, of the uh, companies that produce everything. That, that's one form of socialism. No, that's, then there's Germany. Then there's Germany that um, has somewhat of a form of socialism where um, they are concerned about their citizens, and so they... Uh, pass laws to make sure that nobody can take 
advantage of uh, the middle class and the lower classes because it's so easy. Do you know how racist Germany is? Oh, okay. We're not moving on to Germany being racist. No, no, no. Yeah, they're a very left-wing operation, right, Germany. Uh, They're they're like one color over there. You get on a plane and you go to Germany, which I've been to several times, and it's it's just absolutely, you know, homogenous. So, you know, and people want to compare, like, people want to talk about Finland and Sweden and the way they... The, the Nordic countries are run and that they want that kind of socialism. That kind of socialism is packed with racism and homogeny. They, they don't why, have why a lot of diversity. Equate, why would you equate, equate socialism with racism? I really don't understand that No, no, no. That what I'm all. saying is those countries aren't very mixed. They're very homogenous because what difference you have, does that make? Well, in terms because of when you have when you have a when you have a centralized authority, you have one vision. I, you don't I have don't, a lot of diverse opinion. I, I don't. I don't. I don't understand anyway, at all. Look, I got to get over. I got to get over to another okay. subject. But thank That's you for well, calling. Thank you for today. taking my call, and I always enjoy talking to you. Thanks thank so you. much. Bye. All right, I needed that. So let's see, let's see. Hello? Caller now. (laughs) Yeah, I got to tell you. So here's the thing. We're wrapping up with this, but you can't believe everything you're hearing with regard to, say, Nikki Haley, right? Uh, Because she's not telling you the whole story. The whole story involves, it, it involves so much more. The lead up is actually more important than what, what the mess we're in right now. And it's the globalists that got us here. It's the socialists that got us here. It didn't. Trump did not get us here, folks. Trump did not get us here. It was his leadership that actually kept us out of wars. It's his leadership that beat ISIS and got rid of Soleimani and al-Baghdadi. It's his leadership that strengthened NATO And if you've ever heard the phrase peace through strength, you'll know what Trump is all about. That Putin wasn't going to test Trump because Trump, Putin knew that Trump wasn't compromised by all the different oil deals and all the different weapons deals and the black market deals and the military industrial complex that benefits from these deals. But there's more to this show today than just Ukraine. You haven't heard from Dr. Fauci for a while, have you? Dr. Fauci, where's he been? I don't know. Let's take a listen to what Dr. Fauci said about masks, and then we're going to get into Pfizer here in a second. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks... By the way, the caller who called in probably loves Fauci, probably is wearing a mask when she's talking to me. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's a lot of lies going on with regard to people from her side of the aisle. And let's take a listen. People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protected. By the way, remember what DeSantis said about those kids in South Florida. It said, take off your mask. This COVID theater has got to go. And we, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are 
unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric, actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. And you're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Because now okay. the CDC says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is that right? I mean, <laughs> you know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store that you could make yourself were adequate. And then you want it to fit better. So one of the ways you could do it, if you would like to, is put a cloth mask over, which actually here and here and here, where you could get leakage in, is much better contained. Are you a double masker, Dr. Fauci? Look like you are. (laughs) What a buffoon, right? What a maroon. I got to tell you, that takes the cake. And um, here's another one. Uh, Fauci media appearances have fallen off a cliff. Let's take a listen to the. Well, this actually, this clip is probably too long for us right now. This was Will Kane. He had a really great clip. I might play it tomorrow. Um, and, uh, oh, back to Ukraine for just a moment. I wanted to play this clip today and then we got sidetracked with a call. But um, let's take a listen to what Biden said about Putin. Let's take a listen. Putin knows if I am president of the United States, his days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. I'm going to stand up to him. He's a bully, just like the president. And I know he doesn't want me to be president, but to tell you what, when I'm president, things are going to change. I'm hoping diplomacy is still available. Thank you all very much. I'm hoping diplomacy is still available. I'm going to go begging for oil Putin knows if I am president of the United States, his days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. So, you know, this wokeness related to energy and the green climate initiatives is killing the middle class at a time when they need a break from uh, in the wake of COVID, in the wake of this globalist mandate. Uh, which has been all about power and control. We're learning more and more every day. Masks don't work. The confusion related to masks uh, and the whole ball of wax. So, you know, we got to get away from this. Here's what Dr. Malone says. Dr. Malone on the Pfizer uh, documents. Let's take a listen. The Pfizer documents talking about 1,291 side effects that they're jamming down your throat and into your kid's arms is a uh, approximately 
uh, 3% of all of the adverse events being reported here have to do with cardiovascular adverse events. It's 3.3. So what we have is the sum total of documents submitted to the FDA by Pfizer slash BioNTech describing the safety data in particular relating to the Pfizer BioNTech Comunardi vaccine globally. So all this information comes piped through what's called the pharmacovigilance shop at Pfizer and BioNTech, I presume Pfizer. And then that's been summarized and submitted to the FDA as a series of documents. So this is a window into what FDA actually knows, which is by inference also what CDC knows. When they tell us that there's no risks and we should go ahead and start mandating or forcing vaccination on our children, what we have, for instance, in that section that you're referring to of the list of adverse events is a huge list of what are considered to be adverse events of interest, which means that they're not just one-offs. They've happened multiple times throughout the world. And uh, what we're finding is embedded throughout this huge volume of documents that the judge has forced Pfizer and the FDA. Remember, both the, our government... He, who is he, Dr. Malone? He's only the inventor of the R, uh, RDNA vaccines. And one other thing, um, when they tell you, first it was uh, the inflation was transitory. Then they said, you know, uh, we're going to blame it on COVID and then we're going to blame it on. Now they're blaming it on Putin. Check this out. This is Jen Psaki. They can't take the reason responsibility why the, for the reason decisions. why the price of gas is going up is not because of steps the president has taken. They are because President Putin is invading Ukraine, and that is creating a great deal of instability in the global marketplace. The reason why the gas prices were going up throughout the year, throughout the whole entire year. I don't know what she could possibly be talking about. Uh, I want to play this other clip uh, related to uh, Robert Kennedy. Uh, let's take a listen to this about Pfizer. Plus, the heart attacks we're seeing, the strokes we're seeing, we, the, Side the death rates from this vaccine are, there's been more deaths in eight months than in all the billions of vaccines combined over the last 30 years. From this one vaccine, 17,000 recorded deaths in the United States, and we know the death rate's much, much higher than that. Probably 40 times the best math, the best, you know, studies are showing that it's 40 times that. Oh, so, um, you know, the risks from the vaccine are, uh, they're completely untenable. If people knew the truth, they would not be taking this vaccine. And then the benefits of the vaccine are apparently zero or even sub-zero after six months. You know, the British data is showing that the people who are vaccinated are actually more likely in many age categories to uh, to get COVID than people who are unvaccinated, so, which, by the way, was predicted. Now, we know that Pfizer knew this was going to happen because in their clinical trial, there were among, in a six-month clinical trial, it was only six months, at the end of that people period, 20 people died in the vaccine group and only 14 in the placebo group of all-cause mortality. The, there were five heart attacks in the vaccine group and only one in the placebo group. 
So your chance of dying of a heart attack from that vaccine, according to their own studies, is 500% greater than if you're unvaccinated. So they knew we were going to kill a lot of people. And they did it anyway. And people need to be able to see those studies and um, and understand the deception, this you know, criminal deception that has uh, been imposed upon them. All right, and then here is he him talking about the devastation of lockdowns. What's the impact on public health when you close schools for a year? These are devastating All impacts. Policies, you know, we've seen our country, uh, according to CDC data. One out of every four teenagers have contemplated suicide this year. Uh, the the drug addiction and overdose rates it, rates have gone through the roof. Um, alcoholism, child abuse, on paper has disappeared. Why? Because child abuse is reported almost all of it by the schools. When you close the schools and you lock the child at home with the abusers for a year, you stop hearing about it. What happened to all those children? What is happening to them now? And, you know, we know that even closing schools for a month has lifetime impacts on children, on their, on their uh, capacity to function later on in life, socially, in business, um, in every way that they need to fulfill their potential, and they, the psychi- psychological impacts are also devastating. None of that was taken into account. Absolutely not. No, it was all about power and control. And the middle class is getting crushed. And now is not the time to uh, uh, try to reward the green initiatives by closing down Keystone Pipeline for national security purposes, for the costs associated with inflationary uh, measures and and the impact on the middle class. In addition, uh, there's still confusion as to what we do with the children going to school. And we need to fix these things. And we can if we could just take back our House, our Senate, with conservative values. I don't understand how people can support these kind of draconian measures and this kind of radical socialism, this kind of fascism that is associated with socialism, and try to call someone like Trump a fascist when he is about decentralized authority, power to the people. That's what populism and nationalism is all about. Bilateral trade instead of multinational trade and things like that. Well, that brings us to the end of the Scott Adams Show. My name is Scott Adams. And be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. Check out magapack.org for uh, America First policies that we're advancing. And make a donation if you can. And also be sure to use Red State over at MyPillow.com. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Just to bury my kids right up to there.